And I, I, I thank you. And I, I appreciate, I appreciate what Al does. Al, a great class that he works. As you see, just as he is working hard to build the wall, he works hard in Sunday school. But uh, I, I, can't, I can't agree with that sentiment any more than I do because I, I, I tell people about, golly, a few months into COVID, maybe we were just starting to come back to do stuff. Um, we looked around. I was looking at kind of where our church finds itself. I noticed we have a, we had a gap in our Sunday school. We had we didn't really have a class for younger uh, married and single people, primarily young married couples uh, with young kids. And so um, I do like I always do is uh, no, Van, you're old. No, 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 no. Cornerstone. We're no longer young adults. Sorry, that ship has. Look at my hair. Look at Van's hair. We're no now. Frank, Frank is Frank. Daniel, look at the green of his beard. So no, no, Frank, you are our, you're our eye candy, Frank. You're our eye candy. Um, so, but I realized we need to start. And so we put Holly and I put together a little class, and uh, it has, without a doubt, probably been one of the most life giving things of the last year of our life. It is. It is such a joy every Sunday to meet with them. Uh, I learn so much. They learn so much. And we've seen what I wanted to see, which is authentic relationships happen. And that's, as Al said, it's your Sunday school class who's going to miss you when you're not here. It's your Sunday school class who's really going to grow you and you're going to learn. And, if, and when Al said who all is involved in class, you know what I saw here in the intersection? A lot of hands raised. Because I've said a million times too, intersection, particularly percentage-wise, is maybe the most plugged-in part of our church. Uh, y'all give, y'all serve, you attend, you work, and I'm just thankful for the ongoing ministry of Intersection, and I'm always tickled to death to get to preach it in here. So thank y'all for having me. I was speaking with Amy uh, uh, when I came in this morning. I said, you remember the scene in Dirty Dancing where they go down to where the workers live and they joke they were slumming it. Y'all are slumming it with me today. You know, you don't, you, you, Brian will be back next week, you'll get a good sermon. But today you're stuck with me, so uh, let's see what happens. Um, but we are in Nehemiah. Uh, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 4 today. Nehemiah 4, 10 through 14. We're continuing Nehemiah. Where we're told this. But Judah said, the strength of our bearers is failing. And there's too much rubbish that we're unable to work on the wall. And our enemies say that, that, that they will not know or see anything before we come upon them and kill them and stop the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and said to them ten times, for all the places they live, they will come against us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the walls, I station the people according to their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked those, these things over. I stood and said to the nobles and to the officials, to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. Fight for your kin, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your households. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we're in Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is an interesting story. We have our wall we're rebuilding. Nehemiah is the story of, uh, of after the exile, when the, 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 the land has been left desolate. 
you remember from the end of Kings and Chronicles, Babylon's coming to town. Babylon's wiped out everything. Babylon's torn down the wall. Babylon's messed up the temple. It's all a mess. Nehemiah is the cupbearer for the king, meaning he's a really high official. And he tells the king, my heart is breaking because the land of the graves of my ancestors is desolate. Let me go back and rebuild. So Nehemiah goes back and he rebuilds the wall. Without a wall, the city can't stand. And so as you know, as you've heard, we're talking right now about rebuilding. Our church has done so well in the midst of COVID. It's been a hard time, but we've done remarkably well. But I'll look around. And the strength of our church, y'all, the strength of St. Matthew's is never your preacher. It's never your clergy. The strength of our church is our Sunday school and Trinity and VBS and Honduras and UMW. The strength of St. Matthew's is always, always, Always the lay ministry of our church. Preachers are a dime a dozen, but it's you. It's you that make our church exceptional. It is your work and your effort and your ability that makes our church the way it is. If you remember back to pre-COVID, when you were in the hospital, the first person to see you in the hospital wasn't me. Honestly, it wasn't Kay. It was probably Cliff Maines. I'm sorry, Carol Maines or John Phelps. Is there a lay visitation? That's what has made our church exceptional is you. And so as I think about when our church rebuilds or restores post-COVID, it's going to take all of us, all of us, every one of us plugging in, finding our place, our ministry, our part. And that's when our church is exceptional. Our church is not just exceptional on a Sunday morning, but it's exceptional on a Tuesday afternoon. It takes all of us finding our part in rebuilding together. So that's what Nehemiah is about. Well, okay, but here's the problem with this rebuilding stuff. I think about a line a friend of mine had one time who was a baseball coach. He always said, I'd lift weights if they weren't so heavy. That's exactly right, man. If weight, if weight lifting wasn't hard, I'd do it all the time. We're not all as physically strong as Al, who toted the block all the way over here. Rebuilding's hard, y'all. We face opposition. Last week, we talked about the opposition we faced. We faced primarily two types of opposition. To rebuild and be faithful, we face internal opposition. I want to be faithful, y'all. I want to serve. I want to give. But man, my bed is comfortable, y'all. Man, I bump the air down to about 65, pull the blanket up. That's some good stuff, y'all. And I want to serve. But I'm so comfortable. And the reality of our lives is that our biggest idol is comfort sometimes. There's so much I could do for God, but I'm actually pretty comfortable as I am right now, and I don't really want to, if I'm going to be really honest with you. I don't really want to, because I'm comfortable. I'm a Christian. It's good. I'm going to heaven. Comfort is an internal opposition we face to be faithful. Inadequacy, I'm not good enough. Guilt, I've done too much. No, those are all the lies of the devil. 
What someone thinks of you is none of your business. Don't worry about the words of others. And the Bible tells us that we're forgiven. So we face internal opposition, but we also face external. What do folks think? People might not like it. It's hard. And so we're going to face opposition. Now, I'm saying that today. Last week, we talked about opposition. Today, we see the fight that comes. Um, Y'all know I love movies. I love, in a movie, the big speech. You know know the big speech. Um, Independence Day. Y'all remember Independence Day? The movie where the aliens blew up everything. And before the uh, 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 Cousin Eddie flies the plane into, into, was that not that Cousin Eddie? Thank you. Michael's laughing at me. That's Cousin Eddie. Before Cousin Eddie flies the plane into the spaceship and does something magic, um, the president gives the speech. And this will, July 4th, when Independence Day will now be the day of our independence. He gives that great speech. The one you all know, remember Braveheart? They may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. If you, I, I used to really like Doctor Who. The doctor gives the best speeches. Every time, he, the pivotal moment would come, and he would give the great speech, and the good guys would win. That's the Oscar moment, you know? When Mel Gibson wins the Oscar, they play the brave heart speech. You know, the, the, every actor has that Oscar moment where they have this amazing speech to motivate the good guys. You know, you, you see in sports, what's the great coach going to do during halftime in the ball game when the team's losing? They're going to give the great speech, and the team's going to go out there and win. The, the best, scariest motivational speech I ever had was when I was, Bogachetta was playing Wesson. The mighty Wesson Cobras. And uh, they had us down, uh, I think it was 50 to nothing at halftime. It was not good. We were not good. We were, we're not saying Bogota was bad at football. I'm not being falsely humble. We were actively terrible. Played a lot of homecoming games, y'all. Played a lot of homecoming games. And we were getting beat 50 to nothing at halftime. Coach Barron, who I loved, who I'd still run through a wall far off this day, walked in with a, with a branch. Wesson, yeah, that's right, the Cobras. That's right, Mitch's alma mater. Um, Coach Barron walked in with a stick. His halftime speech was this. He yelled some type of guttural scream, took the stick, hit a locker, locker, and walked out. Looked at my teammate and said, I don't guess he's happy with us, is he? So, um, so yeah, that was quite the, I, it did, the motivation did not work. We continue to get beat. So today in Nehemiah, we see Nehemiah's Oscar moment. We see his speech. We see how he's going to motivate his team to go out and win the second half. We see how he's going to motivate his general patent moment. Where he's going to motivate the army to go win. He's going to, he's going to get his guys ready to fight and ready to win. We see his speech. Because last week we saw they have people coming opposition. They have people coming to fight them. The, the, the war is fixed. The fight's fixed to happen. You can only put the fight off so long. Now it's coming. We see the speech. So he lines them up. And he gives his Oscar moment. He gives a speech. And what does he say? Does he, does he go out and say, guys, we got to fight. We've worked so hard on this wall. We've been working on this wall. We've been putting our blood, our sweat, our tears into this wall. We've got to go out, we got to fight for this wall to make sure that we keep them out. 
No. They just say, guys, we got to go out there. We have to fight for the temple because the temple is where the glory of God resides. We must go out and we must fight for the Lord our God and fight for his temple and fight for his place and fight for his name and fight for his honor. No. What does he say? He says, go out and fight. Fight for your wives. Fight for your children. Fight for your kindred. Fight for your families. That's his Oscar speech. That's his motivational talk. Fight for your families. Being a parent in our world is so incredibly hard. It's hard when they're little. It's hard when they're older. Being married, as much as you love your spouse, is so hard. It's so hard. I tell young couples, you have to love your spouse more than you love being right. Because sometimes you're right and they're wrong. You got you to gotta love them more than you love being right. Being a parent's hard. Being a kid's hard. Parents get older. We, some of us are called in that sandwich generation, aren't we? Taking care of kids. Taking care of parents. It's hard, isn't it? Family's hard, y'all. Let's be honest. We can, we can give the church answer and say, oh, man, there's no greater blessing in my life than my, than my wife and my kids, and every day is a little paradise. Or we're going to be honest and say, I love my wife and my kids with all that I am, and being a husband and being a father is incredibly hard. And half the time I feel like I have no clue what I'm doing in both, example, in both ways. I don't know how to care for a 93-year-old mama. I don't know. I didn't read that manual. I, I, I struggle with these things, y'all. It's hard. It's hard. Nehemiah today says, we're going to defend the wall, and we're going to fight for our families. So that's our job, y'all, is to fight for our families. To fight for our children and to fight for our grandchildren. To fight for our husbands, to fight for our wives. To fight for our parents and our grandparents. To put forth the effort to fight. Because if we don't put forth the effort, it's going to devolve into what we talked about earlier with just comfort. And just going along. It's a, it's a lot easier for me to disengage when I get home and get out the old phone and start scrolling than it is to invest in my wife or my children. It's a lot easier to do what I want to do than it is to do what's best for my family. It's a lot easier to, to, to 
instead of responding with gentleness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control, you know the fruit of the Spirit? To let my acidic, witty sarcasm shine through. Are your kids worth fighting for? Do they know it? Because that's what really shows if we do these things is what do our actions say? Are our spouses worth fighting for? And not just what we say in church, but what, is, what do our actions say? What does our heart say? And y'all, as Al put so well this morning, that's where we need Sunday school. That's where we need small group. John Wesley said, there's no holiness apart from social holiness. What he meant by that was this. I can't do this by myself. Andy Stoddard is not strong enough or holy enough to be the husband and the father and the friend and the pastor that I need to be apart from you. Apart from you. You help me. You encourage me, you challenge me, you push me, you support me, you pray for me, you cajole me, you help me be Jesus. That is why church matters. That's why small groups matter. That's why faith matters. That's why this stuff matters. I can't be the husband that God created me to be apart from this body. I can't be the father that I need to be apart from this body. Nehemiah says today, we're going to fight for the wall. We're going to rebuild the wall. We're going to restore. But our motivation is not our grandeur or our glory. Y'all, I don't, I don't want us to rebuild our church so that we can walk around Madison saying, hey, man, our church is pretty big. We're pretty cool. No, that's a terrible reason. I don't want us to rebuild and restore so we can look at our budget with pride or look at a big staff with pride. No, those are terrible reasons. I want every child, every child that comes through these doors to know they're valued, to know they have worth, to know that Jesus Christ loves them. I want this to be a place where, where spouses who are about ready to, to sell the other one on eBay can come and find a place not of criticism or not of self-righteousness, but come and find broken people like themselves that say, let me love you. Let me care for you. Let me encourage you. Let me be a friend to you. Where marriages are restored. I want this to be a place where people who are grieving, who are broken because of the hardness of life can come and have a, not just a shoulder to cry on, but a friend to hold their hand, someone to actively care for them. Y'all, that's why we rebuild. That's why we serve. That's why we give. That's why we care. That's why we do these things. Not for our glory. 
Not for the, not for the attention it gains in the community. But because Christ Jesus died for the world. And as C.S. Lewis says, you will never look into the eyes of another person for whom Christ does not love. Everybody, y'all. Nehemiah encouraged them to rebuild. To rebuild by calling them to fight for their families. To fight for their families. Y'all, that ain't easy. Because we know nobody loves like a family. We know nobody fights like a family. Amen? (laughs) And that's why we need each other. Because we can't do this alone. We can't rebuild alone. We can't serve alone. We can't be the families God has made us to be alone. We can do this, y'all. But I think his word here is true. We can't be passive. This fight to rebuild is not a passive thing. It's an active thing. Hey, and guess what? You're going to get it wrong sometimes. Like maybe five times today. I I used to joke with my kids when they were little. They'd say, where do you want to go for Father's Day? I said, I just want to go somewhere where, where nobody complains. That's all I want. I don't care. We can go to McDonald's. I don't care. I just want anybody, I don't want anybody complaining. It's all I want. I want peace. This family stuff's hard, y'all. It is. Parenting is sometimes trial and error. <laughs> and anybody who tells you they figured it out is probably lying to you or selling you something. But it's worth it. We fight for our families. We fight for our spouses. We fight for our children. And we fight for this church. Because this church helps us fight for these things. Nehemiah says today, that was his Oscar moment, y'all. That was his speech. That was the speech they play when he got elected into the General Hall of Fame. Fight for your families. Today, that's our call as a church. That's our call as spouses and children and parents. To fight for our family. And that's why we rebuild. And of course, here's the great thing about being a Christian. What's the name Jesus called God so often in Scripture? Father. What do we call each other throughout Scripture? Brothers and sisters. What Jesus does is Jesus changes the dynamics of family too, doesn't he? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. But born in the Spirit, washed in the blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this side. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. That's what we are here, y'all. We're a family. And by the way, just like with a, your biological family, I just got back from conference. Don't nobody fight like family. Nobody loves like family. So today... I guess we ask not just are our children worth fighting for, are our parents worth fighting for, but is the person next to you worth fighting for? The person you sent in Sunday school, are they worth fighting for? Are these relationships worth fighting for? Do we lean into them?
Or do we slink back to comfort? The way the wall is rebuilt, y'all, the way the wall is rebuilt is we lean into the battles, to the fights, to the relationships that are worth fighting for. That was Nehemiah's word today in the midst of opposition. To fight for your families. Friends, may that be our motivation today as well. Let's pray.